Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining me bright and early for a Euroactive online debate supported by Natural Mineral Waters Europe on the packaging and packaging waste regulation and the role of closed loop circularity. Now, first things first, get involved. I'd love to see your questions or your comments, so do pop them into our Slido chat page. We'll also today be doing two polls. One is coming up just after panelists introductions, so get involved with those as well. Okay, so in recent years, the increased use of packaging coupled with low reuse and recycling rates has hampered the development of a low carbon circular economy. There's now close to more than 100 million more tons of waste than other sectors like textiles, transport and electronics. And the average European generates almost 180 kilograms of packaging waste per year, with only two thirds of that being recycled. Another consequence, emissions like CO2 are soaring over exploitation of natural resources, biodiversity loss, increased pollution. So given all of this, Back in November last year, the European Commission decided to conduct a drastic overhaul under the new regulation. Member states will be required to reduce packaging waste by 5% by 2030. And by the end of 2025, just in a few years, 65% of all packaging waste should be recycled, including 50% of plastic, 50% of aluminium, 70% of glass, and 75% of paper and board. There will also be a mandatory deposit return scheme for single-use plastic beverage bottles. So what's not to love, right? But do these new rules provide enough innovation on reuse, recycling, eco-design, and collection to eliminate packaging waste? And could we see an increase in non-food industries turning to recycled PET, so creating downcycling rather than actually closing the loop? Well, let's find out who's on board and who's not. Okay, so joining us for this Euractive online debate today, this morning, good morning, everyone. We have Matea Pellegrini. He's the head of unit from Waste to Resources at DG Environment at the European Commission. We also have Delara Bucart. She's an MEP from the Environment Committee, of course, at the European Parliament. We also have Jean-Pierre Schweizer, who's a Deputy Policy Manager for Circular Economy, Senior Policy Officer for Textiles at the European Environmental Bureau. And last but never least, we have Clara Halva. She's the Head of Water Category and Education Programme at Matoni 1873, a mineral water brand. Okay, good morning. Thank you to all of you for joining us, um, Brighton Early, for an online debate. So a little bit different um, for us this morning. Um, so please, all of you do go ahead and now introduce yourselves, what you advocate for. We'll start with Matea. Hello, good morning, everybody, and thank you for the invitation. Um, the, I mean, you have introduced already myself, I'm the head of unit uh, for um, waste uh, to resources, so the unit which has been, uh, which is in charge of the packaging, uh, packaging uh, waste directive, which has actually proposed now the packaging, packaging waste regulation. And indeed, as you said, is a major change of the old uh, directive. And uh, the first change is actually the change from a directive into a regulation, which is directly applicable to economic operators. And, um, and the reason why we have intervened uh, in such, a, in, uh, I would say, a comp uh, complex manner is for the reason you have just mentioned, that indeed packaging has been increasing exponentially. Uh, I mean, we estimate that there will be another 19% uh, increase from now to 2030, according to our impact assessment. 
and therefore we need uh, really uh, to, to to change the dynamics of that market uh, we've intervened actually as you were mentioning in the introduction throughout the value chain of uh, packaging so with the first for the first time in history of uh, waste legislation we have uh, waste prevention targets then we have introduced uh, reuse uh, targets so also that was never done before and then uh, what we have seen that there is a market failure notably in the sector of plastics uh, we have introduced a recycled content obligation and uh, you were mentioning also briefly that as you have seen we have uh, three set of categories for recycled content obligation according to the typology of the packaging so we have it uh, for beverage bottles uh, for contact sensitive and non-contact sensitive and we have two targets one from 2013 one from 2040 and um, last important point we've also regulated the number of uh, um, uh, of additional uh, points which should facilitate uh, the, the the full circularity which uh, one of them is labeling so we have introduced uh, a system of harmonized labels uh, notably for sorting so that's we should also lead to better recycling and uh, high quality recycling because indeed uh, we have um, also estimated that this will increase the purity of the uh, of the material uh, and also in addition to labeling you mentioned also yourself we have introduced a deposit and refund system a mandatory one not only for beverage bottles as you mentioned but also for metal cans and finally also we have harmonized uh, as much as possible epr system so the extended producer responsibility system we have linked that to uh, two important criteria one is the recycle content and the other one is the recyclability of the packaging so also that should clearly lead to higher um, uh, quality uh, recycling because indeed the epr fees will then be modulated uh, taking into account the quantities of recycled content uh, and the recyclability of the packaging and indeed uh, i forgot to mention uh, as a last point uh, uh, as a, indeed the last but not least the, the fact that by 2030 all packaging will have to be recyclable and we have introduced uh, as you have seen in our proposal, uh, performance uh, classes of five of them, A, B, C, and D, uh, and E, which they, they divide the packaging materials according to their recyclability per unit of packaging. And, um, and the idea is that also then indeed, as I said, the EPR fees will be eco-modulated according to this uh, recyclability criteria. Okay, thank you. I think that's, that was a very full answer. You've kind of taken away my, my, my first question to you, but we will get back to it and discuss, obviously, this new regulation um, in more detail. Okay, Delara, over to you next. Oh, Delara, um, I think you've muted yourself, so you're going. <laughs> you're going to have to unmute yourself. Okay. Well, no worries. Member of the European Parliament, and I will be the shadow rapporteur of SNT for negotiating the uh, packaging and waste directive. And I think that we are in a in a public space where we have a lot of consumer awareness, especially when it comes to packaging waste. When I think about even my niece who's going to kindergarten, if I ask her what she can do to help the environment, the first thing she would say is that she shouldn't litter and that she should um, sort her waste. So I think we have very high consumer awareness and we are at the same time as already had been mentioned, we have 
a lot of packaging and um, a growth of packaging waste in the last decades. And I have the conviction that we don't leave the responsibility to slow down this growing piles of waste um, with the consumer, but we have to put the main responsibility also to the industry. So it's a teamwork that we have to achieve. And this is something where the commission is really working on with its proposal. And my priority in that thing is that I would say that we really have to get the waste hierarchy right. We have to reduce, reuse and recycle. And I think that it's really good that the commission proposal puts some new attention on the waste reduction and the reuse, because I don't think that merely focusing on incremental improvements and in recycling rates and simple substitutions between different single-use packaging is uh, is enough to tackle this uh, dramatic increase in packaging waste because we know that every packaging material has its own environmental impact be it paper be it plastic glass or metal and waste prevention and reuse therefore have to be really at the heart of the packaging and packaging waste rules and i'm really supportive of the ban of unnecessary packaging formats um, on, on limits of supersized packaging and the introduction of the reuse targets to kickstart really um, market and the infrastructure to for widely spread reuse packaging. So I don't think it's only important to close the loop, but also to make the loop smaller. That would be the point. Um, and I think that we also have to look at some points where we will discuss that, for example, questions of high rec quality recycling, uh, prevention of downcycling. Um, this is everything important to, to close the loop and I'm looking forward to our discussion. Thank you so much. I'm glad you mentioned reuse. Um, we will come to that later. Uh, Jean-Pierre, over to you next. Hello, good morning, everyone, and thanks to uh, Natural Minerals and Euroactive for organising the event today. So, I think I will just focus on this issue of uh, closed loop recycling because it's it's um, what the event is about today. So, our understanding is that closed loop recycling really means recycled or recycled material cycling in the same product stream with a, a minimum loss of materials, and this could make sense for some uh, product streams and materials but from an environmental perspective it might not always be the, the, the optimum choice but overall i think that today we have a starting to get a demand for recycled content in different sectors should in a way be celebrated uh, because it demonstrates that we have functioning or increasingly better functioning uh, secondary raw material markets but Knowing that the, the event was organized by Natural Mineral Waters, I think we should maybe focus a little bit on the specific case of uh, PET. Um, what we've seen in the last years is a very high cost, growing cost of recycled PET, driven by demand by competing sectors. Um, although we have around 60% collected uh, PET bottles, the average amount in, uh, in in bottles today is around 17%. The rest is downcycled to other applications with a large amount of this going to the textile sector. Um, probably legislation, and we can discuss later in the event if, if the packaging legislation is the right tool for this or not, should not discourage downcycling of high quality materials, especially food contact materials, into fast fashion or other short-lived applications 
with uh, limited potential to be recovered. Today, what we see is that the fashion industry is greenwashing, or even I've called it blue washing because of the reference to marine litter consumers about the content of recycled PET in clothing. And the textile sector is benefiting from access to recycled materials, but in practice, they do not they do not contribute to the waste management system, or they do not contribute financially to this. But they may soon face an EPR in the context of the waste uh, framework directive review. Um, another point to say, though, is that PET recycling cannot be considered as pure closed loop because it depends still on a very substantial input of virgin PT. So I think in a recent study from uh, Zero, uh, Zero Waste Europe, they estimate the maximum amount is between 61 and 75%. So we could consider some priority access for, for, um, for the bottle sector, but we need to question really carefully about what the impact on different markets could be. And this is perhaps what we, we can discuss today. And um, hopefully I'm sure that uh, Clara has an opinion on this too. Thank you. Okay, well then let's go over to Clara and see what she has to say. Clara? Uh, hello to all part participants. Um, I will just introduce myself a little bit. Uh, so uh, I work uh, in Matoni 1873, uh, responsible for water category. Matoni 1873 is the company that is producing natural mineral waters in Central and Eastern Europe mainly. Uh, and as well, I am co-chairing the Environmental and Sustainability Committee in uh, European Association of Natural Mineral Water. Uh, and um, as being in the natural mineral water sector for us is absolute key, the source protection, the original purity, uh, which is basically the bioquality of the water that we are drinking. Um, and uh, of course, like it's not only about packaging, but we, uh, we, um, all, all, that, all that effort is associated with the care for biodiversity as well. Um, so for us, the logical consequence, uh, of course, like is the is the support of green deals, and uh, and uh, we also committed to the EU code of conduct. However, um, there is still the packaging in the spotlight, uh, which is obvious. We all have to take care. Uh, we all are responsible and have to be responsible. However, we really believe that we uh, we can easily solve the packaging through through the circularity uh, for us the circularity is rather the the philosophy uh, and the rest are just the tools uh, the important tools to get there uh, for that sake the uh, PPWR might help us a lot uh, in order not to be competing with the other industries as, as all the uh, previous speakers were, were describing uh, as well we are really it. We just uh, and we see that uh, the proposal of the PPWR is clearly ambitious. However, we we believe that still some amendments uh, are needed just to fine tune it in order to calm down the situation and uh, and 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 to close the loop and uh, yeah and not not to compete with the other industries. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, so a sort of mixed bag of opinions, you could say, um, on the PPWR. Okay, so before I open up the debate, I'm going to launch the first Slido poll. So the question is, and audience, please do get involved. Um, so the question is, 
what is the key definition missing in PPWRs, the packaging, packaging waste regulation? Is it greenwashing? Is it high quality recycling? Is it downcycling or is it closed loop recycling? Okay, so you've got a little bit of time to um, answer those questions. I'll announce the result of the first poll after we finish the debate with the panelists, so before we um, launch into the Q&A with you guys, the audience. Okay, so please get involved with what you think um, are the key missing definitions in the PPWR. Okay, so panelists, let's get to it then. Um, Jean-Pierre, I'm going to come to you first. Um, in a world where you could say nowadays we're all so much more aware, we're acting more sustainably, we're trying to do better for the environment, we're, you know, and that goes from the consumer to the producer. Um, how has packaging waste gotten just so out of control and why? What are the factors? Who are the worst offenders? I mean, you know, in your opening gambit, you mentioned um, the fashion industry that they're green and blue washing. So take us through a little bit as to why all of this has sort of gotten so bad. I mean, specifically in the case of the, the packaging sector, it's it's quite a complicated question how much the, the, the amount of packaging waste has grown. But I think the work behind what the Commission uh, did in the build up to the, the proposal they made pointed to some potential drivers. One is uh, yeah the, the move to more uh, single use, uh, single, single uh, person households. So moving to more single portion sizes. Another is a bit the kind of something which was accelerated during COVID, a move to more online sales and delivery services, which notably drove a, a big increase in the use of uh, paper packaging. Um, and on top of that, we've seen a lot more on the go services as well, which, which demand quite a lot of packaging because they tend to be single use. So I think some different uh, demographic, but also uh, kind of economic developments have seen the demand for packaging grow in the last years. And, and as Pellegrini said, um, we've seen, I think, in the last uh, 10 years, the amount of packaging waste grow by, by 20%. So it's, it's faster than the rate of economic growth. Okay, thank you. And Clara, you wanted to um, chip in here as well. Yeah, I, I would like to add to that that probably there are also the things that um, that um, were not in the past even considered as plastic. For example, the nappies, the cigarette butts, and and such a stuff. And there is no system in place uh, to tackle them. And um, we are quite lucky in the beverage sector because because we have countries with very efficient collection uh, and everything stands and falls with the collection uh, and we have countries where where we have very efficient collection through the deposit system mainly but not only um, then uh, we have also countries with uh, with the various level of uh, collection through the uh, through the epr system but we have we have also the countries where there is no epr system in place and uh, i think uh, that uh, the role of PPWR, or not the role, but but it's really setting some enablers for us to collect even more. And uh, especially, or at least in our sector, we can quite easily solve the issue. Okay. Okay, um, Mattia then. Um, so, you know, the other panelists, they were saying that, you know, even though perhaps we are more aware in this, you know, 
in in right now um you know society has changed and obviously there was a pandemic and all of these sort of things was going on um so you have at the commission obviously come out with this legislation but there definitely seems to be a mixed bag of opinion i mean i can hear it in what all of the other panelists have said and with this new regulation there seems to be sort of a lot of noise around it people welcome it but then they also have opinions as to perhaps what you might want to tweak, what might not actually work. So take us, I mean, obviously, I know in the introduction, you you went through a lot of the key points of the legislation, but take us through that specific thing. Do you think that this sort of draft legislation can really satisfy all of the key aims um, and concerns of all the sectors? And can it actually, in your opinion, and I'm sure you're gonna say yes, um, close the loop um, you know, on, on this packaging waste? Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, what you have seen is a very complex proposal. I mean, 65 articles, uh, um, a, a very high number of technical annexes, and a lot of uh, secondary legislation which is foreseen. So it's not the end of the game, it's actually the beginning of the game, because there will be, even after adoption by the co-legislator, there will be plenty of work uh, to be done in secondary legislation. Um, of course, I mean, uh, there can always be improvements, and this is the role that now the parliament and the, and the council will play because indeed uh, as you know there is now a rapporteur for the proposal there is a number of shadow rapporteur the council has already started to work as of january so there is already quite a lot of advancement and indeed as you said we have seen a lot of um, uh, yeah different reactions i would say uh, and the reason is very simple in my view because that's i mean the complexity of that file has been that uh, we are legislating packaging across all economic sectors uh, uh, of the, I mean, of the entire economy. So essentially, you are dealing from pharmaceutical industry to um, agricultural sector to food industry to retailers uh, um, to online uh, sales. So basically, I mean, you you just need to see the amount of people which have participated to to, to our workshops. Basically, all the, the the entire amount of federations which are present in Brussels, indeed, Mineral Waters, uh, all the big brands. So indeed, I mean, of course, I mean, the, 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 this makes it very complex, and also indeed, you cannot make everybody happy. But we believe that overall, and I will try to make that point that until now. Um, and this is really the big change. Until now, the legislation has been focusing at the end of the value chain, so on recycling targets, because the targets you were mentioning actually are only taken on board in the new in the new regulation, but they were already existing from the 2018 amendment. So the recycling targets that you mentioned also for specific materials is not a novelty. It's just that for legal reasons, when you take over a directive with a regulation, you have to move it from the directive to regulation. But what is really new is that we are regulating the higher part of the value chain and upfront. So we are regulating things like recycled content, like recyclability, because that has been the real challenge. What we have seen is that if you do not regulate also the way the packaging is designed, you cannot fix the problem. Because indeed, there is about our impact assessment that says that it's about one third of the packaging, which is, cannot be recycled at the end because uh, there, are, there is not enough, uh, I mean, essentially it's designed in a way that makes it impossible to be recycled. So by introducing also these recycling classes, which by the way, they, they, they will be, you know, the lowest one will be category E with a 70% of recyclability per packaging unit. So that will be out of the market from 2030. And then by making this link to the EPR, because you were referring to 
a number of you to extend the process responsibility by making a link. And then the higher you are in this uh, recyclability classes, the less you pay of extended producer responsibility fees. That should really push towards uh, uh, better recycling and, and more circularity uh, in that market. And of course, then we also need to reduce the amount of packaging which is placed on the market. And this we do it with a number of measures. One is the overall waste prevention targets that you have mentioned in your introduction. Two are the reuse targets, and three is also what the MEP was referring to. We have taken the decision to, um, let's say, ban a number of packaging, which we see as uh, as necessary because it can be easily replaced by uh, multi-use. And we also have regulated um, the um, what we call the, the void ratio, so the amount of uh, space compared to the product which should be so to, to that should be uh, possible so with that we should also solve the issues of over packaging which we have seen that has been increasing over the last uh, um, decade in particular so uh, we believe that is uh, indeed uh, we have tried to tackle all the main drivers uh, as you know the commission every time we forward the proposal they identified first what are the drivers why there is a problem and what are the main drivers and then for each of the problems which we have identified, we try to, 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 to propose a, um, a policy option in, in terms of legislative uh, proposal. But indeed, as I said, I mean, I'm, I'm not, we are not claiming that our proposal is perfect, but in, it is indeed a major change to the approach of the old directive and really regulates things which have not been regulated so far. So we do believe that overall, for sure, there will be a very positive impact. I mean, uh, uh, just to give you an example, uh, we're talking here a lot about uh, recycled content for PET. I think the first things we should, uh, and this is uh, estimated in our impact assessment, is that we have estimated by having recycled content obligation, we save 30 million of tons of fossil fuels. This is an our impact assessment. So in, in, even in this context of uh, geopolitical dependence, we, by making sure that uh, plastics is not made by oil, so uh, primary plastics, but uh, is made uh, from recycled content, uh, we have estimated that with our targets, we save uh, 30 million of tons of fossil fuels. So it's not only good for the environmental point of view, but also from a, a geopolitical point of view, it's extremely important. Okay, well, let me ask you this follow-up then. I mean, you said that you tried to tackle all the drivers and obviously no one's saying that this legislation um, wasn't needed. But do you think perhaps that you have tried to tackle perhaps too much, um, put too many eggs in too many baskets? And let me also um, put this to you. So the result of the first slider poll, so, you know, what key definitions are missing in this regulation? Um, most respondents replied with 56% of people said, the definition missing is high quality recycling, followed by closed loop recycling at 22%, um, greenwashing was third at 12% and downcycling at 10%. So yeah, do you think that in this legislation in, in that, that you have tried to just do too much? I mean, we, we have tackled uh, many issues, that, that's for sure. And um, indeed, as I said, I mean, it has been extremely complex to tackle all these issues. I mean, uh, but at the same time, we thought that uh, without such a comprehensive uh, approach would have been really, uh, because indeed, as Jean-Pierre was saying, the overall objective was to decouple economic growth from the growth of packaging. And that's, uh, you can only do it if you take uh, this uh, comprehensive approach. Then I think uh, point by point, you can discuss if you can uh, 
improve it or not improve it. Um, but I think it was necessary to, 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 in our view, to tackle all of that because indeed there were many drivers. So there was the driver of uh, over packaging. There was the driver of packaging increasing at a, an exponential way. By the way, we did not mention until now that not only packaging was increasing in this exponential way, it was increasing with the so-called lightweighting of packaging. So the packaging as such in terms of weight was going down. But even if the unit of packaging in terms of weight was going down, packaging was still increasing in terms of overall weight. And uh, indeed, the famous 180 kilograms per consumer in Europe. So that, that is even more alarming because normally if you lower the, 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 the weight of, of the single unit of packaging, then you should expect at least a stabilization. But this stabilization was not uh, taking place because indeed the, the, the increase was so exponential, it has been so exponential over the last um, uh, few years that indeed uh, this led and, uh, to, 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 to this uh, incredible trend. Uh, and in, in terms of definition, I think we, we I mean, uh, indeed the, now the, the, the role of the co-legislator is to see if uh, there are missing definition. But, uh, you know, for me, the mechanism we have put in place we lead, as I've tried to explain, to high-quality recycling. Because if you have a recycled content obligation, and then you link this recycled content obligation to the um, to the extended producer responsibility and to the fees that will be paid, then there will be an incentive for the sectors which are covered by the CPR, in this case, uh, including beverage bottles, to reincorporate that, uh, that recycled content. We are fully aware that some industries have been saying that these targets are too high. Uh, and uh, difficult to be achieved. But as you've seen, there is a review clause foreseen by the Commission, so uh, which I imagine that the, the, the college legislator will keep in the proposal to say, you know, based on the availability, the Commission will then see if there is a need of intervention by secondary legislation. But the intervention, I also would like to stress, can be in two ways. Because it can also be in the way that we realize that there is sufficient recycled content, and then we can even be more ambitious uh, in terms of targets uh, uh, for recycled content. So I think in a number of areas, uh, we have foreseen uh, um, uh, review clauses, uh, notably in this area of recycled content. Uh, and even this, I mean, I know that uh, the, the minerals, uh, you, um, uh, the, the industry of uh, mineral bottles has been raising constantly this issue about uh, to be cannibalized by textile and other sector which they use, they use recycled content, but they're not subject to the same obligation. But that also, this review clause, if you read it correctly, allows the commission, if needed, to take uh, that type of measure. But first, we need to see what are the dynamics of the market. What we know now is that uh, the only time it was introduced a recycled content obligation was for uh, the SUP directive, the single-use plastic directive, for beverage bottles. And what we have seen is that the price of secondary raw materials has been going up, so of recyclates, and this has led to a, a booming of recyclers, which is extremely good. So we have built in Europe an industry which recycled uh, plastics instead of making plastic from, from uh, fossil fuels. So that's, uh, um, I think, it's, but of course, I mean, here is much bigger. We're not only talking about uh, the bottles, we're talking about, uh, as you have seen in our proposal, all packaging materials made of plastic. So we will have to see what are the impacts, but even in our proposal, this is my last point, we have differentiated between contact sensitive and non-contact sensitive. So we're fully aware that for contact sensitive uh, packaging materials it will be more complex 
to have uh, recycled content also for safety reasons, uh, for a number of additional legislation which exist. And that's the reason why we have differentiated the targets. But uh, uh, plus, as you have seen, for a number of sectors such as pharmaceuticals and others, we have, we have foreseen exemptions from recycled content because I think uh, protection of environment is extremely important for us, but also protection of public health is equally important. So. I think if you look also at this article on recycled content, uh, which is part of the core of the discussion today, you will see that there is plenty of, uh, let's say, mechanism that the Commission has put in place to avoid a number of unintended consequences. But as I said, in terms of definition, I mean, this is uh, clearly something which is uh, can always be added and, uh, and uh, also as, as part of the co-decision process to improve uh, the original proposal of the Commission. Okay, very full answer there. Um, so you mentioned, um, um, you know, mineral water um, sector. And so Clara, I'll give you the right to respond then. Um, you know, is there a worry um, that this regulation is going to, you know, see more increased competition or perhaps greenwashing as various companies or producers are, are trying to meet these targets um, in this legislation, for example, people perhaps using more food grade PET. What are your concerns and what's your response? Yeah, exactly. And um, that's why the, the high quality recycling definition is, is really highly needed because we are competing with other industries. Um, the other industries are free riding on us. They do not have the, uh, the um, obligation to put the material back. And uh, we know that if we close the loop, um, then we ensure that the, um, that the amount of virgin PT on the market will, uh, will decrease. Uh, so it will solve even our self-sufficiency, let's say, in, uh, in the material use. Uh, and uh, regarding the uh, like competing and uh, the, the material luck, let's say, like uh, to close the loop, we need uh, closing the loop. That means that we are uh, we are putting the material back into the bottles. For that, we need to have the bottles available. Uh, they are not enough currently. We need to collect more to have the more material and clean stream of the material. And as well, we need to have the uh, affordable material. Currently, once we are competing with other industries, the uh, the prices are really rocket hyped. And, uh, and and it is it is really not even sustainable uh, and, and not affordable. Um, uh, and we should, in my view, follow the basic principle of extended producers' responsibility, which means we place on the market, we collect, we aim to recycle. And, uh, and what we are seeing currently is that we see other industries uh, to take out uh, our bottles and they are not very often involved in the system because it's rather about packaging, packaging collection, but they are not packaging at all. And at the same time, we are listening to greenwashing because they are saying, okay, we are sustainable because we are using the, our, uh, the, the recycled content. However, then our industry that has the, uh, the ob ob legal obligation, but at the same time, we, have, uh, we, we, we want to go even above the limits but uh, but we don't we, we don't have enough of the material. Uh, if we come to the textile, for example, 
textile is very often using the clear PET or light blue PET, which is for us the, the most desirable and the most, uh, let's say, precious material because, like, of course, like with the recycling process, it, it causes some uh, kind of uh, slight changes on the material. So the, the lighter material we have, the better for us. And uh, if we are competing with other industries, it is also uh, it, it is then very uh, very difficult for us to, uh, to, to 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 get the affordable material. So that's why we would really welcome to have some um, some some fine tuning of the PPWR uh, in terms of having the definition of recycled plastic material. Uh, or high quality recycling, basically, uh, to, uh, to to have uh, to, to to support the minimum requirements for the deposit system, uh, to have uh, the deposit system that are run by industry, uh, to to set up the proper infrastructure and so on, and as well to have the proportionate fair access to the material because this is something what is really very much missing. Okay, but let me. Um perhaps um, follow up with Jean-Pierre on this. Um, is it perhaps selfish for you know, mineral water or you could say food and beverage industry to really want to put limits on other sectors having access to food grade PET to meet those recycling targets um, as set out um, by the commission um, just on the basis of competition and cost? I think um, everyone's uh, heard their concerns loud and clear. I think the, the question is what's the appropriate approach to uh, to tackle it, which is going to lead to the optimal environmental outcome. I think there's some opportunities in the PPWR to address kind of the availability of uh, recycled content for packaging, uh, some of which was, was not in the final proposal from the Commission, for example. The inclusion of the negative list for recycling inhibitors where there is quite a, a good level of uh, research and some good voluntary initiatives from industry so have a good knowledge of what the kind of things are which inhibit recycling but unfortunately this was uh, this was left out um, we're a bit worried about the the high number of uh, secondary legislation so de delegated acts in in the in the proposal which could take some time to develop so all of the nice things which uh, mr pellegrini referred to might not actually be available for a, for a long period of time uh, we also have something uh, kind of free pass for innovative packaging for five years so this could mean packaging which is not recyclable being put on the market for five years and this could further disrupt uh, recycling streams um, and we also have an issue with chemicals still in the in the in the packaging sector with things like PFAS, phthalates, bisphenols still being widely used in some forms of packaging, and these can further limit the use of uh, recycled materials in packaging. Regarding uh, the competition between materials for different sectors, I think we can also look to other pieces of legislation. For example, in the Empowering the Consumer Initiative, which is being run by the the, the Commission as well we can perhaps challenge green claims from the textiles industry on the inclusion of uh, recycled PET in, in products. Also within the, the review of the waste framework directive where EPR should be, uh, we hope, will be set up for the textile industry so they should start to actually pay their way. 
what we would hope for is if there is eco-modulation, then there should not be a kind of reward necessarily for, for textiles, including our pet. It should be more about textiles, including uh, textile material, re-including re textile material in their products. So I think there is this window of opportunity in the review clause now in the proposal. The question is, what's the right approach and how can we make the secondary uh, raw materials market function optimally? And there is a lot happening at the moment, so it's it's really a complicated question. But we should look at all of these different policy opportunities and try to find out what's the right way to do it. Okay. Um, well, perhaps we'll go to our MEP then. Um, are you guys at the Ibrahim Parliament planning to make any amendments then? What are the kind of big issues for you with this with this new regulation? Well, sure, we are going to make some improvements, but in general, I think what is really crucial, um, because, ma'am, you were asking before to the Commission if this regulation is too much, um, but I think uh, we really see the, the limits of how consumer-changing markets have been able to deliver on the reduction of packaging in the last um, years. So we have seen this growth, although there is a growing public awareness. So I don't think that this regulation is too much. Um, and we have to put in the heart what uh, Mr. Pellegrini said. He said design is key. And I think this is the really crucial point. Design is key and this is what is breathing in this regulation. And then, and, and this is where my amendments will concentrate on, we have to make sure that design really is key. Um, because I'm a little bit worried as it came uh, with, with what Jean-Pierre said, um, what is um, innovative packaging and why is it uh, accepted from the design question for five years? This is a problem um, where I fear to be uh, to see a big uh, loophole. And I would ask uh, Mr. Pellegrini if he could um, elaborate maybe on this, because this is something that is really unclear to us in the in the European Parliament, at least uh, in my group where <laughs> I'm the negotiator. We haven't come now to the negotiation between the different groups, but this is a urgent question for me. Um, and if we are saying that all packaging needs to be recycled by design, we have to make sure that we really mean high quality recycling. And as you were already addressing it in the poll you've been make, making, there is the urgency also seen in the audience here that there is a need of, a, of prioritizing high quality recycling and also prevent downcycling and this needs clear definitions to to deliver in the regu um, regulation and to also uh, give clarity to those who are responsible at the end of the circle um at the end of the circle is a stupid thing to say but you know what i mean in the end of the process to make sure that they can um work with this and they can reuse the material and put them back in the loop um so the definition of high quality recycling is very important um and of course, then the question is how you would define recyclable design at one point. And as um, Mr. Pellegrini was saying, Commission is now um, saying that there has to be delegated acts, which I don't uh, oppose like fundamentally. But of course, what I was missing when I look at the text is a clear deadline when this delegated acts need to happen, because this also is needed by the those who are producing packaging and also those who are recycling packaging, they have to be sure that there is a 
time frame that they can rely on when the delegated X will come and when the criteria are set, what is a sustainable recyclable design. So we need to have some timeline and some more guidance there, or um, as it was in a, in a further, uh, in a older leak that we have been seeing of the, uh, of the uh, proposal is that um, we, we had in the beginning, there was a, a negative list of criteria that would disqualify packaging from being considered being recyclable. And this negative list um, kind of vanished, um, but it might be a good idea to put it back in um, to have something that will over bridge the time until the delegated X would coming. Um, so this is a little bit the, the, the main points I would, would look in. What I'm asking myself also is the question of um, infrastructure that is needed to pro be provided. I just, um, a few days ago, last week, we had a green week in the European Parliament and I always use it to, to travel around my constituency. And I was in a city, um, it's called Norderstedt, it's in the north um, of Hamburg uh, in Germany. And uh, I was looking at the municipal waste management uh, facility. And they have been really showing me very credible that you right now buy the waste you are collecting from the, uh, from the, from the different households. You can really map social infrastructure in a city where you see that though where you have um, more socioeconomic, better situated people, there is less packaging because right now it's very cheap to have a to to uh, packaging is not something that will um, raise much the cost of, of a product, which is a kind of unlogic thing because you are using more uh, resources, but you really see differences in the households and you can really make a social mapping based of the recycling systems. But this, of course, also has effects on how the quality of, of um, waste sorting is organized and how a municipal waste facility can propose or help to, to really have closing the loop. So I think we really have to make sure that the infrastructure, the, the role of public authorities is also putting up in place because they are in the end mostly responsible for collecting the waste and closing the loop when it comes about putting the, um, the materials back in the uh, circle. A lot of interesting questions and I'm glad you brought up um, the infrastructure issue there. Um, from what I can understand also, and, and so uh, Mattia, I think you, yeah, lots of things um, that um, I, I think you need to respond to, but also um, I think the introduction of this idea of collection then, is it really, you know, something um, that is an infrastructure issue as well? So yeah, please do take the time to um, respond to um, Delara's concerns and questions. Yeah, I will also respond to, to Clara and, pa and pass to Jean-Pierre, but indeed the, the, the Lara made very valuable uh, uh, points. Uh, and indeed, the, 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 I mean, this proposal will require that uh, relevant infrastructure is, is in place. And indeed, um, the situation uh, at the moment across Europe is not exactly the same. So we will be publishing uh, soon in April, what are called early warning reports, which is an assessment of the recycling capacity in the different member states. It was foreseen by the Waste Framework Directive. 
and indeed uh, actually these early warning reports will measure the capacity of member states to actually meet the targets that uh, uh, Marian you mentioned at the beginning of this uh, of your introduction so the recycling targets for 2025 and 2030 and indeed uh, the picture will be not uh, very positive in the sense that uh, the, the, the majority of member states are at risk of uh, non-compliance. So in the sense that they don't have enough uh, recycling infrastructure. So, and that is the reason why for us it is important that, and that's the reason why actually, uh, for example, under the enabling clause of the structural funds, you can only fi finance with structural funds uh, uh, recycling capacity and not, for example, uh, uh, landfilling on incineration. The same will go for taxonomy, where indeed uh, uh, what it will be uh, green uh, and, and circular will only be um, indeed investment in uh, recycling and also reuse uh, capacity. So that's that's clear. But indeed, uh, um, pressure will only. By the way, I would like also to say that pressure on infrastructure will not only come from the packaging packaging waste. Uh, uh, proposed uh, regulation, but will also come from another proposed uh, regulation, which also comes from a unit, uh, which is the waste shipment regulation, which is currently in the Parliament, uh, and where actually the Parliament has proposed to be even more ambitious than the Commission proposal, which uh, with even a ban on uh, uh, on plastic uh, for exports outside the OECD uh, countries. And indeed, of course, uh, this if the plastics then will stay in Europe, uh, then, of course, uh, just to give this example, uh, then, of course, you will have to increase significantly the recycling capacity because often uh, there are exports of, of plastics, for example, and other materials outside the EU because there is not sufficient uh, uh, recycling capacity. So uh, the pressure will be there. And indeed, uh, the Commission has been uh, insisting on member states also within the context of the recovery resilience uh, uh, facility to really uh, uh, um, ask them to invest as much as possible uh, uh, in uh, in building that infrastructure, so that that's I think is uh, the, the role we can play. Of course, we cannot, uh, um, I mean, mandate by legislation the, the building up of such a capacity. But we see the issue that indeed that this proposal will only function if sufficient capacity is there. Uh, and uh, uh, about the, the high quality recycling, the definition of. Uh, um, Indeed, our proposal, which is not, uh, um, I mean, is not also, Jean-Pierre was making that point, and the latter, that is not uh, clear from a timing point of view, and uh, they need to be more precise. Uh, indeed, I mean, we normally, as you know, as the Commission, we don't comment on leaked uh, version. Um, the reason why, in our view, at the end, after a lot of uh, reflection, there was not, um, uh, um, we couldn't uh, come up with a negative list of what is not recyclable already now is because, indeed, we saw that um, the technology is evolving so far that is extremely risky to put in a negative list uh, a product, which then you, you have um, scientific evidence that can be recycled. So um, that was a huge amount of evidence which was brought to our attention during the last stage of, uh, of adoption. But indeed, as I said, again, it's up to the parliament to see if that avenue wants to be in, indeed that, that negative list in the original thinking at the sort of bridge between uh, the 2030 target of all packaging being recyclable and, and the, the moment that now we are in 2023 uh, and that probably this regulation will enter into force in let's say in best case scenario around uh, 2025. 
2024-2025, to be seen how fast is the parliament and the council. Uh, this, of course, we cannot judge as the commission. And, um, and about the fact that, indeed, not all our delegated acts and implementing acts contain uh, deadlines, it is correct. Uh, the reason why is that uh, we have tried, uh, for some of them, to put uh, legally binding deadlines, and for others, we have... Uh, um, I mean, legally, you describe them as empowerment. So uh, they are described in a way that there is not a legally binding uh, deadline for the commission, but the commission has the power to intervene if necessary. But, of course, I mean, again, the co-legislator and also based on input from stakeholders, if he believes that a certain empowerment of the Commission should be more time-bound also to bring a, a market clarity, again, it's a, it's a choice of the co-legislator. So, but I'm trying to explain what was our logic. And then the last point on, on, on Clara, I think I, I, some of the things you mentioned, Clara, are in the proposal. So, I, I mean, notably, as you know, there is a, a, a DRS system, uh, both for uh, beverage bottles and for metal cans. And there is an annex in the proposal, which is called a minimum condition for DRS system. So not only we have mandated the DRS system to increase the, the quality of recycling and the closed loop, but also we have said that if you build, when you build a, a new um, uh, let's say um, uh, a new DRS system, because in many countries it does not exist, you have to respect this minimum condition. This minimum condition, as you know uh, also very well, comes even from input which has been provided from, from to us by you and many other stakeholders, NGOs, uh, which is an assessment of the different DRS systems. So essentially DRS, just to put it in two words, is not because you establish a D what we have seen in reality is that it's not because you establish a deposit and refund system that your recycling and recycling quality gets automatically better. It gets better if you have minimum condition. So what we have been looking is the different systems which exist in Europe at the moment, and we have put what we saw that is our condition for making the DRS system to work well in this annex, which will be a mandatory annex for member states. So that's, I think, Maybe we did not introduce, uh, and actually, uh, Mariam, you did a very good reply to, to, to Clara, because indeed I know that uh, I mean, they've been advocating a lot of these uh, uh, conditions uh, to sort of uh, what they call technical right of first refusal. So essentially what the industry covered by the packaging, packaging uh, waste regulation, they would like to have compared to other industries which are not obliged by our uh, recycled content obligation to have a right of first refusal. But that's after extensive discussion also with other services of the Commission. We saw that from a competition point of view, as you said, Mariam, it is a very, um, I mean, it's something which we cannot propose. We cannot intervene uh, creating this distortion in the market, uh, which will indeed, as you correctly said, uh, will have an impact on competition. So it's not an issue that we did not ass assess. It's an issue which we did, did assess. We had extensive uh, discussion with all the other services of the Commission. And our conclusion was that uh, we cannot intervene in that way by essentially um, uh, not allowing for full competition in the market. Okay, well, I think um, I was going to go to Jean-Pierre, but I think, Clara, I think you need to respond. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I'm not at all criticizing the, the uh, PPWR at all. Uh, that has to be clear. I just wanted to say, like, yes, there are the minimum requirements, but what is still missing and what we really need to have is to have the proportionate fair access to the material. And I, I, I don't want to repeat myself uh, already, but, uh, but, uh, but we are really struggling to get to the material back. 
the material is ending up in different applications, losing the quality. Uh, it's not going to be repeated, uh, repeatedly uh, recycled again. And, uh, and we are losing the materials and, 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 uh, and the material, once it is being recycled into the new bottles, can be recycled again and again and again, which is not the case for the other applications. We are aiming to do that. Uh, we are ready to do that. We are investing heavily into the infrastructure. Uh, we are talking with recyclers, uh, like we are ready. But the problem is that we cannot get to the material. And that's why we need to have the, uh, the, the fair access to that, because we place, on, we place the material on the market. We are paying for its collection, but we are not getting it back. And uh, at the same time, uh, like we, we uh, don't want to lose the quality of the material in order to, to prevent uh, bringing the new virgin material into the European market, which is not necessary if we are using the recycled content. So that's the only thing that is missing. I really appreciate that, uh, that there are uh, already the minimum requirements in the PPWR. It's excellent success but we just need a little bit more. <laughs> okay, just a little bit more. Um, well, I can also say a little bit more that we have more than usual is lots of questions from the audience. Um, so um, Jean-Pierre, I'll let you quickly respond. If you could just quickly, um, I think you want to talk about collection infrastructure and then we'll go to the many audience questions that we have for all of you. Uh, yeah, so on collection and infrastructure, I mean, it's something which we've we've heard a lot from uh, different stakeholders um, saying, ah, oh, we need collection targets in the proposal. And we're not um, really necessarily opposed to this idea, but what's important is to get the logic right. Because I think one thing uh, you asked earlier, Mariam, was about why we've got this big growth of, of packaging. I, I gave the demographic examples, but it's also about why the old legislation failed because it more or less left allowed any kind of packaging onto the market. Now, what we are hearing is uh, different packaging materials and, and companies asking for collection targets. And indeed, we have a gap in the, the infrastructure in some areas. But the logic should be first eco design, prove that something can be recycled at scale, not just in theory, and then set a very high collection target and encourage municipalities to, to collect all the materials possible so it can be put back into the, into the loop for making new packaging. Um, the negative list which we've spoken about could play a role there, but eventually also the delegated acts, but setting high collection targets on materials which cannot be recycled doesn't make sense and it legitimizes non-recyclable packaging and it's really important that we get the order of that right and that the non-recyclable packaging is taken off the market because otherwise it's just going to be collected and incinerated which is not the objective of the, the legislation okay thank you okay well let's go to what everyone is talking about but audience before we let let the panelists know what your questions are, i'm going to launch the second poll now um so the question is what is the key condition to boost high quality closed loop recycling in europe is it product design is it targets for separate waste collection at member state level is it proper infrastructure for collection in place 
is it recycling infrastructures and or chemical recycling? Uh, oh, there you go. And as you can see, the poll is quite conclusive. Oh, no, we're having different people. So, so it seems as if you guys advocate more for two, product design at 35% and recycling infrastructures and or chemical recycling. And I can see that the poll keeps changing, um, but perhaps the key condition is product design. Okay, thank you audience for getting involved um, with that one. Okay, and with that, let's go to your questions then. Um, okay, so there's quite a lot of them. So panelists, I will ask you, try to be as concise as possible um, so we don't um, you know, run out of time. Um, okay, so we have a question from Alexandro, and this is to Clara. Um, Alexandro says, a recent study showed that beverage PET recycled content in closed loop could reach between 75% to 84%. This is saving millions of tons of new virgin material. DRS and priority access are highly desirable. Why is it not included? Clara. I'm not sure that I understood the question properly, but uh, I will uh, I will try to respond. What 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 is uh, my opinion on that? Uh, we can never have, or not never, but uh, like to have the sustainable source of the uh, of of the or sustainable content of the recycled PET in the new bottles. We are somewhere around 80%. Even the studies that you have been mentioning uh, at the beginning are saying something like about 75 or, or something like that. It's quite clear because like, not everything what we put on the market is being collected. And there are also some minor losses due to the recycling process. So uh, we really believe that 80% is something is, is the amount that is sustainable. And yes, there is some uh, less, uh, much, much, much less of PET, virgin PET needed to uh, to be placed into the new bottles. But still, like uh, even those eighty percent, our PET target is quite ambitious because currently the uh, SUPD, the, uh, the Single Use Plastic Directive, is uh, targeting thirty uh, percent by twenty thirty. Uh, we are aiming to 50%. We committed as a sector for 50% of RPT content in the, uh, into the new bottles by 2030. Uh, some of our members are even targeting much higher. Uh, we at Matami are targeting 80% to be really sustainable, but we have an issue to get to the material. Anyway, to have 100% RPT, it's really difficult because there is simply not enough material on the market and we cannot get to that. Okay, thank you so much. Um, second question is from Ashim Drews. He says, oh, he's from Nestle Waters. Um, and this is a question uh, for Mr. Pellegrini. He says, when looking at the environmental footprint of different options, we see that reuse is not necessarily better than single use with high collection and recycled content, especially on CO2. How could this be addressed in PPWR? Yeah, I mean, the well, we have seen indeed that, that uh, there has been a number of, uh, I mean, of additional studies which have been presented uh, more and more uh, clo close to the adoption of the proposal. Uh, and, um, and uh, I mean, some of them, they're coming 
uh, out only now. I understand, for example, that today there will be a presentation of an additional study of comparing reuse versus uh, multi-use uh, in the parliament actually will be presented. Um, I mean, done, uh, I understand by, um, I mean, an economic uh, consultancy, an economics uh, consultancy, but with sponsored by McDonald's. Um, what we have done as, as the European Commission, we have done our own assessment. Uh, in the meanwhile, I would like also to draw the attention of everybody that we have published uh, um, our uh, supporting studies for our impact assessment uh, also on this issue of reuse in our uh, website so you not only you have the impact assessment but you also have uh, the uh, additional studies which were carried out as background uh, support studies for the impact assessment uh, it is true that uh, you have um, a lot of uh, um, let's say uncertainty uh, i think we should uh, recognize that but this is also linked to the fact that it depends on a number of factors. So, for example, it depends uh, how the single use is substituted. It depends uh, how the uh, how many rotation, because indeed the life cycle assessment depends, for example, how many times the product uh, comes back and forward. Um, it also depends on the um, another important element, which is the standardization element. So, for example, the, the German example has shown that if you standardize um, uh, for example, the bottles of beers, then you can achieve a much higher reuse rate and, and, and much better from a life cycle assessment point of view. Because indeed, if you have a, each bottle of beer which has a different shape and a different color, then reuse becomes very problematic because indeed, essentially, then the logistical aspects creates a lot of emissions. But for example, like in Germany, they have standardized around mainly three types of bottles of shapes of beers. Then, I mean, I visited some German factories where indeed um, they the two thirds of the, of the bottles that they reuse are the bottles of their competitors. So there you don't need them to travel a lot, but you can simply organize that system. And that's the reason why our proposal, as you have seen, is based on the concept also of a, a reuse system. So indeed, the, the reuse targets on their own uh, can only function if you create a, a system uh, around it. Of course, I mean, uh, it, we are fully aware of the obligation that we have in the Waste Framework Directive, uh, in Article 4 of the Waste Framework Directive, that indeed um, we had uh, an obligation to demonstrate that uh, indeed, um, I mean, that, that, to be honest, it's not formulated like some stakeholders are saying. That, that what it says, the Waste Framework Directive says that in case uh, Recycling, we can demonstrate that recycling um, of single use uh, leads to better environmental performance, then we cannot impose uh, uh, reuse targets. Uh, but indeed, uh, I mean, our assessment is it leads to that conclusion that under certain conditions you have better environmental benefits. But indeed, I know that stakeholders are making a lot of them that point, and indeed they are engaging with the member states and with parliament. And indeed, at the end, I mean, I mean, there is the commission proposal, there is our supporting studies, there is plenty of new studies. Uh, by the way, there are also studies produced by NGOs. And I, and I think it will be the co-legislator, which at the end would have to assess all of that uh, before taking the, the final uh, position. But my, my major point I want to make now was that indeed, you need to have a number of uh, framework conditions in place and then if our assessment is that if these framework conditions are in place, 
then um, we see more environmental benefits uh, in terms of uh, reuse for certain categories. By the way, also another important point is that the commission, as you have seen, uh, this is again another point which is often not mentioned, uh, that we took the decision not to put a, a general target on reuse, like some member states are doing, because we believe that that makes no sense. But our approach was to say, okay, let's look at what are the economic sectors where it makes more sense to foster reuse and to boost reuse in addition to uh, recycling. And also the debate uh, reuse about versus recycling, I think is uh, the wrong debate because uh, our proposal, and I invite you all of you to read the impact assessment, uh, demonstrates that there would be uh, the need of more recycling capacity. We have been discussing until now recycling capacity. So even that argument that uh, this measure of reuse will negatively impact uh, on uh, recycling is not correct because uh, uh, we have made an estimation how actually uh, for each of the materials, they would be uh, from now to 2030 and then 2035, a need of increasing uh, recycling capacity. So that, that's briefly on this issue of uh, reuse. Uh, we are now supposed to regulate ourselves as Mariam has some technical issues. Just to add on that, um, because I think it's really crucial what you said, Mr. Pellegrini, that you were mentioning a framework that needs to be put uh, on for standard standardization on packaging reforms, but also on um, on the minimum criteria, how how often something should be reused. And I think those targets um, should be set on a European level. Uh, so this could be an opportunity that we can discuss in the next uh, coming weeks, because I'm from the north of Germany. We are bordering Denmark um, in, in my region. And of course, um, the bottles we are using in the region they are traveling especially as a lot of danes come to my region and buy cheap beer we don't get them back in the system and vice versa so this is a this is a practical problem that you have when you have an internal market in eu and i can imagine that for example players like nestle who are global actors and as nestle was raising these questions and there is um, there is no there is a question of how implementable it is if you have a Spanish a bottle that is for the Spanish market that is kind of showing up in Europe to bring it back. Of course, this doesn't make sense. So I think this question of standardization is a really important um, a minimum rotation number, for example, um, and um, a standardization of multi-use packaging formats. I think all those can be elements that really help to really make reusable um, packaging uh, alternative and also a benefit for those who are uh, using the uh, or filling the packaging because it makes it easier for them to also get back the quota. So we have this in the German system. Um, and what I really was stumbling on when I read the commission proposal is why there is a, um, a return system for metal bottles, for plastic bottles, but not for glass. So um, maybe you could explain why this is left out, because I think, especially in the German example, you see how good a system in that um, aspect can can be organized. So I really was stumbling on that, that everything is um, looked at, but not the glass. Okay, I will, uh, I will try to react also on this question of reuse. And I think it was already well explained by Mr. Pellegrini, like just, just as you can have badly designed single-use packaging, which is difficult to recycle, 
you can have very badly designed reuse systems. And what we see is that many studies trying to emphasize the poor performance of reuse tend to look at bad examples or even hypothetical ones, for example, looking at an unrealistic washing burden. We are not fanatical about reuse. We just want to see reuse work where it can make sense. And what we see is that the design of packaging, uh, reusable packaging systems is really crucial. The design of the pooling system, the design of the packaging itself, as we've seen good examples in, in, in Belgium and Germany, but also the need for an incentive to return. The, the recent example we've seen in, in McDonald's in France didn't work well and it had a low return rate, but it also didn't have any deposit on the packaging. And many people choose to take the packaging home because they thought it looked nice. Um, this is clearly not a well-designed reuse system, but we have many good examples across Europe, which we can build on. And I'm confident that there are lots of low hanging fruit for reuse systems in short supply chains that can deliver significant savings. And it's also a bit unfortunate that the water industry is pushing back against reuse when they can be one of the major innovators in this space and a natural front runner, I would say. Yeah, and here I would like to probably add, and I'm, I really totally agree that reuse uh, should be in place uh, everywhere where it makes sense. But we can clearly see that in our uh, sector, beverage, uh, beverage sector, the beverage packaging, uh, um, somewhere it really makes sense and somewhere not. It is very much dependent on the local conditions and it has it should be uh, should be should should be judged like that. What I would like to add as well, uh, probably it's a little bit wider than just reuse, is that you know like we really believe that it is not only on the beverage sector, but each sector has to take care for its own packaging and not only about packaging uh, about the products itself as well. Because like we place, if we place something on the market, we have to take care about all the life uh, cycle of the product or, or, or the packaging. So we really believe that is also the potential for the packaging and packaging waste, waste directive to, 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 to show that it's not only about, uh, about us, but, but, or, but it is really that each sector and each producer should have the uh, should take take care about the, the the product that is being placed on the market. Okay, thank you so much. Um, my apologies um, for disappearing for a slight moment. Um, as you can tell, had a little bit of technical difficulties. It happens to all of us. Um, okay, so with that, um, we've sort of run out of time now. So I'd like to thank all of you, Matea, Delage, Jean-Pierre and Clara for all of your input today. I think this has been a fantastic conversation. Um, there've been lots of different ideas, opinions, lots of content thank you especially um our, our panelists from the commission for all of your inputs um it seems that there is perhaps some work to be done some changes to be made um but we will see thank you also to the audience for all of your input um there are lots of questions um i hope that some of those questions that you have asked have been answered and um, so with that thank you all so much for being a part of this debate supported by natural mineral waters europe and my Zaidi. thank you so much take care bye bye